the J Talk podcast. Yes, 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 yes. Hello and welcome to the J Talk podcast. Ben Maxwell and Johnny Nickel with you. And Johnny, the curtain came down on the 2023 J1 season on Sunday. Of course, everything had been decided the previous weekend, so uh, a, very much an end of season feel to uh, Sunday's action, but we're certainly going out with a bang on this episode, aren't we? How are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing not bad. I've, I've just about warmed up after after yesterday out in the cold at, at Panasonic Stadium, and like you say, there, was, there wasn't too much at stake in most of the games, but we did get quite a few of uh, beautiful goals uh, across the country, so it'll be good getting into that, and yes, it's very exciting to, to finish off the, the, the league season with, um, I don't want to call them a guest, but we've got a very special third third party on board tonight, don't we? We do indeed. It's our great pleasure to welcome uh, the man himself, Sam Robson, back to JTalk after a, uh, a lengthy absence. We're, we've missed you, Sam. It's great to have you back. How are you? Oh, thank you very much for having me back. It's been great to fill the nostalgia act on this podcast. and <laughs> It's always my favourite episode, so I, I couldn't miss out on this one. So, yeah, just uh, great to be back. Um, yeah, I've really enjoyed the episodes. Um, that he, Johnny has done great for him to fill the void, and there was never any question that he'd do it much better than I would. So, yeah, it's been really good, and uh, I'm not really up to it. Um, I've already had technical issues. I don't know how to podcast anymore, so hopefully this goes okay. All right, yeah, we'll uh, we'll uh, baby you through it, uh, Sam. Don't worry at all. We'll be uh, we'll be fine. No questions asked. And uh, yeah, so as we said, it's it's been a while between drinks. And um, well, you were certainly in um, well, I, would I say uh, mid-season form uh, over the weekend? You mentioned in the green room you had uh, all of the games uh, except the Nagoya one uh, going at the same time on Sunday afternoon. So I get it. I guess it, uh, it just felt like old times. Oh, it did. It was great to be back, although 5 a.m. start was not something I'm used to anymore. But, yeah, I got the eight games up. YouTube very kindly had four for me. Bet365 filled in the other void. And unfortunate circumstances, obviously, with uh, the reason why the Nagoya game was delayed. But it did allow me to have a nice eight spread on there. So it was great to be back. And it just wished there was a little bit more riding on some of the games. But the J-League never disappoints. And there was some great drama right at the end. Indeed, indeed, and we'll get on to all that. But I'm sure the uh, the listeners are curious to, uh, to to know just in general how uh, how you're getting on. Uh, obviously, you were a huge part of uh, the, the the furniture here at J Talk and a large part of our uh, listenership's uh, life for uh, a long time. You, you know, well over um, four years. So uh, I'm sure it's taken a little bit of getting used to, and uh, you know, uh, getting started on a new job. So uh, in, in broad terms, uh, how's life? Yeah, all good, thank you. I'm not used to getting out of bed and having to travel into work instead of walking across the corridor to, to my uh, office room. So it's taken a bit of getting used to, but yeah, doing okay. I'm selling holidays. I've sent a few people over to Japan, so give them a welcome when you see, if you see them. But yeah, it's been yeah, all good, thank you. And uh, it's been hard not having being able to kind of watch the J League every week, and I do think I've missed out a little bit, but. It's good to have got back into the swing of it this week. And, yeah, hopefully I can try and figure out a way of watching a bit more next season. Cool, cool. All right, then. So, um, yeah, as we said, great to have you back, Sam. And we'll get your thoughts, obviously, on uh, uh, what went on in uh, J1 
on uh, on Sunday. And as we, uh, of course, at the end of the season, we're going to piece together our J1 team of the season uh, later on in this episode. Uh, also, we'll uh, preview uh, next Saturday's Emperor's Cup final listeners. So uh, that's something to look forward to as well. But, uh, yeah, Johnny, we thought we'd uh, indulge the uh, listenership with a uh, yeah bit of uh, behind the scenes of uh, what we got up to on Sunday afternoon. We were both uh, at uh, our favourite team's uh, final game of the season. So you went along to the Panasonic Stadium to see Gumbur Osaka host Kobe. Um, so how was your Sunday afternoon? Well, yeah, honestly, but before this game, when I saw like Keishi Kawa and Go on, I saw the Gamba starting lineup and the the Vissel starting lineup. Uh, I, I thought Gamba could be in for a bit of a bit of a torturous afternoon, but I, th- I think in reality, you know, like Vissel, they, they, they can say all the right things, like you know, we're we're treating this game like all the others. We want to go out with a with a win for our fans and that. But I think when reality hits and you've been battling for the title for like nine long hard months. Maybe when that final game doesn't really mean so much, that the levels just drop off a, a bit. And I think Vsel spent a lot of this game in, in second gear. You know, I think it was a an incident. I think about the twentieth minute, they, they had the corner and um, they worked it quite nicely short. And then there was an awful cross that just missed out everyone in the centre. And gradually they somehow managed to keep passing the ball back till it got to the goalkeeper. And the the whole kind of move ended up with them. Um, with one of the defenders overhitting a pass to Maikawa, who then kind of sliced it out into the into the stand. And I kind of thought at that point, yeah, that Vsel haven't brought their A game at, at all today. And I, I think Gamba were obviously missing a few players. I think Higashi Gucci played with an injury against Hiroshima. And then with Gamba being safe, he was he was out and Lavi was left out. Alano's got a bit of a small injury. So I, I think they, they were more up for it than, than Vsel. And um, they closed them down well in the first half and they, a lot of interceptions. Vsel only really looked dangerous from, from set plays, I, I would say. Um, and then into the second half, I think it kind of continued that way until the, the, the only goal of the game, which Jean, well, Jean-Patrick was credited with it. I think it's, a, it's an own goal in any other any other league in, in the world. And I, I'd have to say, I'm trying to be as, as neutral as possible, but I think it was, it was a very lucky goal. It was a cross that was deflected in off of Muir and then hit Sishikawa's hands. Um, and then you know, after that... Yeah, the longer the game went on, Gamba had a goal ruled out for offside, and then we said we're really holding on at the end. And I think for Gamba, you know, it's seven defeats in a row, and they've gone yeah, t- ten games without a win t- towards the end of the season. Really frustrating, though, know, for for a Gamba fans' perspective, would be nine of their defeats this season have come by a single goal, including four of the last five. And there's been a lot of times, I think, like like this game. That there's no reason why Gamba couldn't have taken something from that. Granted, with with the caveats, it wasn't. Vissel Kobe going, going full guns blazing, but yeah, a very disappointing end to the, the campaign. You know, Vissel, that their fans all went happy. I think they had a big, big celebration at American Park in, in Kobe to, to celebrate the, the, the title, so that they'll go they'll go home happy. The rest of Kansai, not not so happy, but I think, yeah, yeah Vissel, very well done to them. There seemed to be a bit more heat between Gamba and Vissel fans at, at this game. I don't know whether because the, the, the title win or there's been a couple of kind of controversial decisions in, in recent games between these two. But, you know, Sam, as, as we kind of said in the, in the green room with, with Ben, we wanted to kind of get your thoughts on, on B-Cell's title win. What, what do you think? How deserving are they? Uh, how likely are they to stay at the top for, for the foreseeable future? And what, what do you think of the, some of the, the performances of players like, like Osako or Muto or maybe some of the, the lesser known names? Oh, I thought they were excellent all season. I think you and Alan um, summed up really well last week and just 
the props that you gave to um, lesser heralded players, you'd like sort of Yuki Hondo, say, or even Yamakaru has come in and done really well. I think everybody has stepped up their game this season. I think Osaka led, led from the front. I think he's incredible. I, I'd be very, very surprised if he's not the MVP for the season. Just his all-round game is magnificent, not just his goals. And I think he did eventually get the gold boot here. I'm never 100% sure on ties and how they split them. I think it has been given uh, to Osaka. Yeah, I think he was all-round. Muto, again, has stepped up as well. I think... I'd like to give a lot of props to Mitsuki Saito. I think the way that he kind of energised that midfield uh, at the beginning of the season, I thought his energy, his um, the way that he covered ground, the way that he gave protection to a back line that was really looking quite fragile at the start of the season. You would never have expected that back line to have won a title when you were looking at the start of the season. I think it's given a lot of confidence to everyone around him. And I think since his injury, it's almost kind of galvanised the rest of the players. And you've got players like... Ogi Haru, I thought, had basically retired. Um, but he's come in and done really, really well. And I think, yeah, really him, because this this was a very good squad last season, and they were almost relegated or in a relegation battle. So he's managed to get, I think, really get something out of this team. They're now more of a team. A lot, again, a lot of credit to the manager in the way that he would discard certain players. It, no more reliance on your Iniesta's. He's not going to take the nonsense from Mkhitaryan and trying to bring in one matter. He's not going to play them. They're going to play a way that suits the team. And, yeah, it's done really well for them. I think everybody has uh, played up to the level and beyond in, a, in certain circumstances. And, um, yeah, like sort of Ide, Sasaki, all very, very good. So uh, there's no reason why um, Kobe can't stay at the top. They've got so many good players. They have all the resources to get them. It's just to make sure that maybe Yoshida is pushing the direction of the transfers rather than Mikitai, and that will be probably key to whether they can go on continued success or whether they do drop up and down, which they have done in um, the last few seasons. But, yeah, this game, it didn't really showcase any of that. It wasn't a great game. I, neither team, I don't think, played particularly well. There weren't too many chances. I think, yeah, I think Kobe, were they, all their work was done last week. They didn't really have to come out and do anything. The only interest was would Osaka really um, score? I think he got close once with a shot just wide. But otherwise, yeah, yeah it wasn't too bad from Gamba. I know their season is going to, their uh, winter is going to be very interesting because obviously sticking with Poyatos, you've got to then go with him. You've got to go with the way that he wants to play at the start of the football. They have to back him in the window. And it's, once we get on to Tokyo, it's going to be likewise a very interesting windows for those two teams. But um, they had that period during the middle of the season where it looked like it was all clicking. It's all kind of gone away from that. But, um, yeah, do you think, Johnny, with a couple of signings, do you see that is there, are there seeds of positivity with Gamba that maybe if one or two good key signings could really lift Gamba to being where they should be in the league? It's, it's really a, a tough one. It's, it's, it's a good question. And, and just for, for the remember, Sam, because you mentioned Mitski Saito, it was really good to see him. He he was actually he was he was sitting up with the Gamba players uh, during the game and then he came down at the end of the game and he, he had one crutch, but he was able to walk around and he, he waved to all the fans. It was really, really good to, to see him. But to, to come to your point about uh, Gamba, there's obviously, like like you say, they've backed the Poyato's system and I guess there is the hope, you know, sort of, I don't want to compare him to Ange Postecoglou, but remember Marinos didn't survive by that much the first season he was in charge. There's the hope that maybe the second year things just start to click. I'm not saying it's going to be anywhere near that that successful, but I was talking to one of my friends today and we were saying about 
Obviously, there's been rumours of uh, Shinosuke Nakatani coming in. Whether that, I'll believe that if I see it. But if he were to come in and say a new Japanese centre back, and then the feeling is because because Kwon Kyung Won is leaving, that leaves a, a, a space open for another foreigner. That it would probably be a, a wide forward, so it'd be Alano Jabali and a new forwards, and what would be the front line again, depending who that is. It, it could be very exciting because I think. Yesterday, you know, Usami, who's, who's one of my favourites, and I, I have to be I have to be fair because I've moaned about other players like like Kagawa or Higashi or Nara getting away with multiple fouls and then getting a yellow card. But but hands up, my, my favourite Usami gave away about four or five fouls before he got a yellow card yesterday. But yeah, he he's really dropped off this season after that Achilles injury last year, and he, he's more of a squad player now. And then Meshino's not that quick, so when Alano doesn't play. You're really missing out. Something Handa was really good yesterday, and they, they kind of relied on him to move the ball quickly up. But I think if a quick winger, and then t- two new centre backs, and I know there's talk about bringing Ichimori back from Marinos, but I don't know what will happen with that. But yeah, you look at the players like you know like Lavi, Dawan, Yamamoto, if they're all on board, Alano, Jibali, Handa, Kurokawa. There's the basis of a, a really good team there if they can get a few in. I know already like Fujiharu's gone, uh, Kwon Kyung Won, Tsukamoto, Suzuki seems to be on the way out. So I, I could see around 10 players kind of going and, and quite significant changes to the squad. And yeah, hopefully they come out kind of, kind of firing and, and all cylinders at the start of next season. But yeah, it's, it's not been great at Gamba for a few years now. So yeah, you can, you can colour me slightly pessimistic on that, I have to say. Fair enough then. All right. So uh, as Johnny mentioned, yeah, uh, Jean Patrick was credited with the uh, the 56th minute goal that won uh, Kobe this game on the final uh, day of the uh, campaign. But yes, uh, Google and uh, every other uh, outlet across the globe has uh, given it as a Genta Miura own goals. And uh, we'll move on then to to my Sunday afternoon. And uh, gentlemen, uh, after this very difficult FC Tokyo season, I I really needed some closure. On uh, on Sunday, and uh, well, it came at the Lemon Gas Stadium. Uh, Sam, uh, you might remember uh, Johnny as well, and uh, uh, listeners who uh, listened throughout the year might remember that I actually began uh, the season, the first Saturday of, of the season, match day one. I spent at Shonan's Lemon Gas Stadium uh, while Shonan were playing away at uh, Tosu. Uh, my uh, son and daughter had a, uh, a track and field event at the Lemon Gas Stadium, so I was. Um, I was there and actually went down pitch side to deliver some water at uh, some point. So, yeah, on the first day of the season, I was there. And uh, on the last day of the season, uh, my uh, FC Tokyo side visited Shonan. And uh, we returned home with uh, all three points, thanks to Kei Koizumi's 52nd minute goal. I have to to make the very uh, embarrassing admission that I actually missed the goal because I'd gone out at half time and uh, to get a kebab and I'd come back in. I was basically on my way back into the ground, uh, heard the roar from the away end and the announcement that the goal was scored by number 37, Kei Koizumi. Um, but uh, yeah, I missed the only goal of the game, unfortunately. The, uh, the kebab was terrific, but uh, yes, I, uh, I, I didn't see uh, the only goal of the game and um yeah it wasn't much to speak of to be perfectly honest the the with the parts of the <laughs> the parts of the game that I did watch but it was uh, terrific to be uh, out and about and yeah catch up with some friends and actually of the five of us a uh, friend of the podcast Graham was the only one who was actually sat in his seat to watch <laughs> Koizumi's goal so we were all over the shop uh, yesterday but uh, yeah we did have 
uh, a lovely time in um in the sunshine at uh, at the Lemongast Stadium. So, um, Sam, I hope you don't have any qu- uh, pre- uh, questions prepared to groom me on on FC Tokyo. Um, I- I'm still smarting over uh, over this campaign. Uh, I'll I'll take one or two without notice. But um, yeah, I think uh, along along similar lines to Johnny, I'm I'm smarting at the end of what's been a really difficult season. But uh, I guess it was good to uh, to go out on somewhat of a high note against uh, yes again a Shonan side who'd. Uh, who'd secured their safety the previous week and, um, yeah, were already pretty much on the beach themselves. Yeah, I've only got one for you, and you did listen. A very good, nice goal, actually. Kwasumi tiptoeing his way through the defence. It's a lovely finish. And you can wrap it up and say it's a kebab all you like. It sounds like the prawn sandwich brigade to me. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, the the one question I have, and um, I don't want to step on the toes of extra time, but uh, with Machida and then especially Tokyo Verdi coming up, do you think that puts extra pressure on FC Tokyo to really get it right this winter and really build a proper squad, knowing you've got those two rivals coming up? Yes, I do. And um, I've come around to the fact that I think it's the best thing that could have possibly happened uh, to, to Tokyo. Um, I dread losing derbies, so I would have been perfectly OK with uh, with Shimizu uh, winning the playoff um, on Saturday. And again, as, as you said, very, uh, very appropriately. Yeah, we won't be... Uh, covering that game uh, too much because we want to leave some meat on the bone for for John and James um, and they might have Lewis on uh, if he's uh, recovered or not I don't know but um, yeah uh, I think yeah you're absolutely right in the the way you framed your question yeah Tokyo need a proper kick up the bum um, we kind of thought it was going to be just the the arrival of Peter Klamovsky and his um, his approach his style might uh, might shake a few out of their funk, um, but as we've seen uh, towards the end of the season, that s- simply hasn't happened, and he hasn't been able to to get the uh, the reaction that he would have hoped for out, out of this this squad of players. So, um, yeah, I, I want to again. I say this every year, but I want to see a, a proper clean out. I want to see um, the club back the manager and bring in some players that he's identified and that he wants to to, to put into his system that he thinks can um, can take us up the table because, yeah, this is simply not good enough again. And, yes, a, a well, I mean, I, I don't think they're – hopefully a rivalry will develop with, with Machida. Hopefully they stay uh, in, in J1. Um, and, yeah, they're not a, a flash in the pan. But, yeah, at, um, having the three – uh, the three clubs from from the uh, the, the Tokyo Prefecture in, in J1, um, it's yeah, it has to give uh, give Tokyo uh, uh, added input um, added impetus to yeah to at least get to Tokyo bragging rights because it's been a long long time since we've seen uh, the Greens and uh, we want to um, in inverted commas welcome them back by you putting them back in their place. So sure none have hung on Sam the uh, the, the late season run. Uh, and the goals from Yukio Hashi uh, has uh, has ultimately done enough to to keep them in J1 for another season. But with the uh, three relegation spots returning in uh, 2024, I'd imagine that they'll be um, yeah they'll probably be in quite a few people's bottom threes uh, in their J Preds next year. Yeah, I think they're always going to be there or thereabouts. They're going to probably lose a couple of players. I imagine Ohashi has played his way into a team higher up in the division. I mean, he's been a revelation this season from his hat-trick the first game of the season. Then to come back from his injury and replace Machino the way he's done has been absolutely incredible. And uh, yeah, there are a few other good young players that maybe get moves as well. I know Ishihara is going to Reds. I think that's been 
almost confirmed as one of them. So they'll probably lose a few. They'll have to rebuild as they usually do, and they'll be in another relegation battle next season. But they do have that fight in, in them. They've managed to get out of a pretty poor situation this season to get out and be somewhat comfortable towards the end of the season, last few games. So, um, I don't, yeah, they're going to be there. But um, I think they've done really well this um, this season to get to where they have been with like to lose a player of Machado's quality and national team player and then being able to then still lift themselves out, I think is uh, full credit to them. I think Song has been very, very good at the back. And um, yeah, just a yeah, pretty decent uh, second half of the season for Shonan. But uh, next season, it is going to be difficult. You're not losing you're losing one team, so it's going to be still good quality. Machida are going to come up with a lot of money behind them. I think they're going to throw things at it. They're going to definitely be competitive. And Verdi, uh, yeah, they as well, they looked very good um, at the weekend and whenever I've seen them in J2. So I don't think it's going to be an easy ride for any of these clubs in J1 to stay in there again next season. So it should be quite competitive. And you'd expect Raisel and Gamba, especially, who finished below them, to improve. And they should be uh, stronger next season. So it's going to be a difficult for Shonan, but they've definitely got those battling qualities, so I'm not going to rule them out and say they're going to get relegated next season. Um, Sam, if I could just ask you a little bit more about about um, Ohashi, because uh, as you mentioned, he, he's really come on with with his goals this season after kind of struggling for goals and, and fitness before this year, and I saw in the, the papers today he was linked with about half the, the division. I, I was just I, I just have this kind of feeling about him, I can't decide, are we going to look back on him in like four or five years and wonder how on earth he scored 13 goals in one year? Or do you think he has shown that that like the real Yuki Ohashi this year? But, but where is he on on that scale for you? Yeah, it's very possible because I, I think correct me if I'm wrong, Ben, but I don't think we mentioned him in our preview for uh, showing him at the start oh. of the season, and then he made us look stupid on the first day. But mm. I, just look the way his movement is very very good. I think his finishing has been yeah terrific all season. So there's definitely a very good striker in there. It may just be a flash in the pan. It's the one season wonder, and he never replicates it, or he gets that move that's maybe a little bit too big for him, and it all uh, yeah kind of uh, fizzles out. But there's certainly a quality striker in there, and yeah, you don't score the goals that he has this season without having that little bit about him. So. I think as long as his move isn't like ridiculous, I don't think he can go into F Marinos or Missile Kobe or anything like that. But say if he was going like even to NFC Tokyo, and I don't know if that's uh, you're happy with the level I'm putting him at the, uh, Tokyo <laughs> out there, Ben. But that sort of mid-table to slightly up from there, I think that might be somewhere that he fits. It may even just for him and his kind of development, maybe even better just to stay at Shonan and then he could carry on that goal-scoring form. But I think he's definitely earned with his performances and move players have been moved on for a lot less, a lot worse performances uh, than him this season. So it'd be interesting for him. I'm, I can't answer you in terms of whether I'm sure whether this is one season or not, but uh, I certainly think he's earned the right to test himself at a higher level. Yeah, I think is it safe to say that you you're a slightly more pessimistic, Johnny? That uh, that yeah, that that this is more a flash in the pan than the the real Yuki Ohashi. No, I wouldn't say that. I just I saw Gamba were one of the teams linked with them, and it, I don't know if that bit like you, Ben. Sometimes when you see players coming from Sagan Tosu or Shonan to to, to Gamba or FC Tokyo, they're, they're really good at the previous club, but they just never replicate it at the kind of quote unquote but bigger club or big, bigger city <laughs> yeah. club. So I, I just I I think 13 goals in the 23 games or something I, I don't think you'll ever get that kind of hit rate again 
but he's not going to go back to it. I haven't got my Maycam with me, but I think he had like something like nine or ten goals in 60 games before the season started, like a one in six, and he's gone to almost like more, more than a one in two. I think there'll be some sort of fall off next season, but I, I still think, yeah, he is a he is a good player. And yeah, I mean, essentially, if he, if he continued this this form for another season, he would be in national team contention because as, as Ben and I discussed, you know, the other week, there's not that many centre forwards in, in contention, but yeah, I think really important for him. If he is going to move, he chooses the right club because he sees so many times like, you know, players who've done very well in J2, but then suddenly jump right to the top of J1 and it's not really the, the level they're cut out for like, right away. So yeah, hopefully he's got good people around him advising him either to stay at Shonan or or potentially to, to find a, a good movement, maybe even a, a Kashiwa if, if Mal Hosoya moves on. Yeah, so but I'm I'm watching his, his development with interest, and yeah, I'm I'm pretty hot on him, but yeah, maybe don't, don't come to gamble would be my my advice to him. <laughs> Radio, fair enough then. All right, so uh, yeah, we've uh, we've covered uh, the 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 two games that uh, Johnny and I were at uh, on Sunday afternoon. Next, we'll move on to the uh, the two Yokohama clubs. Uh, they both um, were on the uh, the wrong end of uh, results on the the final day of the season. A second placed F Marino's headed to Kyoto and uh, lost 3-1 after uh, Ryotaro Tsunoda was sent off in the 19th minute for visiting F Marinos. They then went and took the lead uh, in the 24th minute when uh, Riku Yamane chipped across into the centre and Anderson Lopez tapped in from a yard out for his uh, 22nd of the season to, to tie Yuya Osako at the top of the goal-scoring charts. But uh, finally taking advantage of their man advantage, Kyoto equalised through uh, Yuta, Yuta Toyokawa in uh, deep into first half stoppage time. And then they went uh, bang, bang in the first 15 minutes of the second half. Uh, Taichi Hara firing through uh, Jun Ichimori's legs from a tight angle in the 54th minute. And then Hara crossed from the right and his uh, captain, Sota Kawasaki, improvised a uh, brilliant volleyed finish of the bouncing ball arcing up and over Ichimori uh, in the 58th minute. Uh, Sota Hiraga was uh, denied a late goal by VAR, a uh, a decision that left me scratching my head, but, um, yeah, must have missed something in the build-up, perhaps. And then uh, the miss of the season, perhaps, on the final day by uh, Kosuke Kanoshita in the 94th minute. Uh, Patrick got to the byline on his uh, Kyoto farewell and uh, cut back a Kinoshita shot into the floor and over from six yards. So, um, yeah, a bit of a damp squib for F. Marinos to finish the season, uh, ending with, uh, well, playing most of the game with 10 men and uh, finally succumbing 3-1 to Kyoto. While uh, in Kashima, the, uh, the, the, the bottom club, Yokohama FC, their fate was uh, sealed. Of course, they required a mathematical miracle to, to stay up, and, uh, yeah, that uh, didn't occur at uh, Kashima. Um, Shu Moraoka, the younger forward, was uh, one of the stars uh, on display for Antlers. Uh, he shot and looked certain to score his first J1 goal before uh, Yokohama FC defender Mateus Moraes made a crazy uh, sliding block. But uh, the ball looped into the air and it was uh, Yuma Suzuki who uh, volleyed in from the goal line, probably nicking a goal off young uh, Moroka, but uh, yeah, that's just like our Yuma, isn't it? Um, but then uh, Moroka squared across the box and Yuta Matsumura stabbed in from six yards at the far post four minutes before half time. 
Then uh, Yokohama FC, well, they had the last laugh, even though they ended up losing this game 2-1. Caprini with an absolute rasper from 30 yards out in the 63rd minute, and that was that. But maybe we've buried the lead here, Sam, because I'm sure you've got some thoughts on Yokohama F. Marinos, but it's uh, it's emerged on Monday evening Japan time that uh, Kashima are not keeping Daiki Iwamasa on as manager for 2024. So talk about perfect timing to have you back on the podcast. You Here you go. You can dance on uh, Iwamasa's proverbial grave. Oh, would I do that? No, no, no. But yeah, delighted. <laughs> Terrible manager. He should, should have gone a long time ago. He shouldn't have been given the job. Uh, I think uh, Kashima have been really poor all season. They've what he did. He found a way of playing, one way of playing, where it worked. And then as long as those players were there, Kashima looked okay with Kakita up front and then Suzuki in behind. He played it long. Suzuki would mop up anything that would fall. And then it was all particularly reliant on Suzuki in that position. But as soon as he got one or two injuries, there was no way of adapting. And they still played this long ball. Often Suzuki was just isolated. He found himself out on a wing. There was no one else in the midfield. And considering the players in that Kashima side, and you're looking at Higuchi, Pituka, Sano has been very, very good. Um, obviously Suzuki and Kakis is a very good player the defence uh, Wader and Sekigawa are all very good it is a very strong squad that Kashima team it should be competing for titles and he was holding them back I know that he's everyone's friend there I know that they've got some sort of ridiculous click on at Kashima and I think it might damage them maybe going into this winter depending on who they bring in I know that uh, the reports were that they haven't they weren't anywhere along in the process of finding um, a new manager and you saw with uh, was it Rene Wilder that as soon as things started to slightly go wrong the players down tools and that may well happen with the new guy here but I think they really need a, a fresh approach and someone to get the best out of the quality of a player that's there because Kashima, I know they finished fifth and they always seem to manage to finish in that top five, but this was as poor a season as I've seen from uh, Kashima and really uh, they should be competing for titles. So hopefully this fresh start can kick them back into gear because it's been so long since the most successful team in Japan um, has been uh, competing for a title. Yeah, I think, you know, as you mentioned, Sam, they, they always seem to finish fifth. I think that's that's 11 years in a row they've finished in the, the top five. But if you, if you scroll down, they're only three points ahead of ninth, which would be the, I think we mentioned last week, would be the joint second worst performance in their, the, the club's entire history. So, you know, it depends how you want to manipulate those those numbers, if you're Daiki Masa or if you're, if you're Kashiwa. But I noticed, like, you know, Ben mentioned Moroka and you mentioned Sano. But I think Yuta Matsumura is, is a player I know has been around at Kashima for a while, but I watched, I think it was last month, the Japan under-22s absolutely demolished Argentina under-22s, and he looked absolutely dynamite. And then since, since that game, he's come back and Iwamasa's put him in the team. But I think players like him, and I know Ryotaro Araki's had some injury trouble, but the way he's fallen away under Iwamasa's stewardship, I think they've got to be held as, as black marks against um, against like his development, as he's, he's really just gone for the, the veterans and, like you say, Sam, that, that one style of play. And if, if I can maybe go on to the, the other game, the, the, the Kyoto against against Marinos, because you, you mentioned the, the, the red card, Ben, and I, I'm sure I saw today Marinos, they're either nominated for or they won the, the Fair Play Award this year, which I assume is based on yellow cards, because they've had four, four red cards this season, which seems rather high to win a Fair Play Award. But I think that, that this is one of the, the, the least controversial decisions we've seen this year, a clear red card. And then, 
you know, they did well to, to get ahead, a brilliant run from, from Elbert, and a Bergkamp-esque turn from, from Toyokawa. He's been a real revelation this season. And then, yeah, I wondered if um, uh, Kawasaki, he's one of these players, a young player that confirms his marriage, and you, you kind of wonder, is, is he about to head overseas? So I wonder if that, that beautiful volley will be the, the kind of the, the last memory for, for Kyoto fans of him for, for quite a while. And, you know, Iwamasa is going, but I saw um, Cho uh, Kijay is, is confirmed as staying, and He's gotten to, mm. to 13th, so that's at the highest they've been since, since 2009. Uh, I'm sure there'll be interest, like Kawasaki, Hara, Toyokawa, there might be kind of interest in, in them, and uh, apparently some interest from, from Crystal Palace and Kevin Muscat. I, I think he's going to be linked to, to a few jobs, but yeah, there's, there's a few places around the country there's going to be some some interesting developments across the across the coming months. Yeah, most heavily, and uh, I'm sure you could catch it in the background there, listeners. Pickle uh, leading the cheers at the uh, yeah the news that Daiki Iwamasa is uh, is leaving Kashima. So uh, yeah, just uh, some brief thoughts on F Marino's uh, Sam before we move on. Um, just out of interest, listeners, if you're score taking a score at home or keeping a score at home. Rather, Kobe have ended up with 71 points, which is three more than F. Marino's won uh, when they claimed the title last season. So, uh, yeah, F. Marino's are four points off their own pace from uh, last year as they end as seven points behind Kobe. So um, we've uh, we've spoken in recent weeks uh, about, you know, all of the, the, the caveats, the injuries, the disruptions they've had this season. Um, yes, the possibility that the manager might be moving on now. I know there are uh, certain pockets of the F. Marino support that wouldn't be um, too disgruntled if that was uh, to actually come about. So, um, yeah, in terms of backing it up, backing up the title, just as they were unable to do so in 2020, um, they they haven't been able to, to go back to back, but they've gotten a lot closer than they did uh, back then a, a few years ago. But how do you sum up their, uh, their, their, their season as a whole, Sam? I think, to be honest, they've done really well. I think seven points, the gap as it is now, I think that seems quite harsh compared to how the season has gone. And uh, to think, at the start of the season, they lost their goalkeeper right on the eve of the, the season. They've lost def- like the MVP of last season without replacing them. They've had so many defensive injuries. Uh, I think they've done really well to be as competitive as they have been. I think um, it's... Uh, Look at them, that back line as it was Yoshio at left back. I mean, he's not a left back at all. They've played players completely out of position for most of the season at the back there. And to, I think they've done pretty well. I mean, a lot of it has been on Anderson Lopez. And if he got one injury, I think then maybe that would have been their season completely over. But I think Kevin Muscat has done well. I think they still have that brand of football that is not quite Ange Postecoglou, but it's still... Um, a progressive brand of football. It's still very exciting to watch. I think he's got them. He's yeah. He's. I think he's just been really competitive. And um, I think he may look to move on now. I think there've been enough rumours and enough kind of sniffs of interest from Scottish and English clubs that I think he might see it go. Okay, yeah, I've seen it out this season. Maybe it's time for me to uh, challenge himself because I don't know if he'd get that. I think if it if he doesn't go now, I'm not sure if he'll ever be able to make that move so and I think it might work well for Marinos anyway just to get a little bit of a fresh break as well but I think yeah it's been a pretty good season for them I think that overall I think the standard of the league is a lot lower than it has been in previous seasons like that Kobe team is a very good team but it's still players like Osaka and Muto were still good Japanese players but they're still probably past their peak from when they were in Europe and it's not like many of this Kobe side or even this F Marinos side you can say 
they're going to go to Europe. They're on the up. They've got you've got future Japan internationals or anything like that. So um, I think yeah, it's been a not the greatest you know, overall quality season, but I think F Marinos, considering everything that's kind of gone against them, I think they've done really well to be a very comfortable second and very much in the title challenge uh, for the entire season. So I think. Yeah, well, it would be disappointing to not have won, and they certainly had their chances to win the league. I think we can hold their heads up high uh, this season. I, d- I think it's been a pretty good effort from that side. Yep. Okay, then. So we'll uh, we'll wrap up the uh, the rest of the top four with uh, uh, Hiroshima and uh, Urawa third and fourth respectively at the start of the match day and uh, at the end of it that's where they finished as well although it did look like it was going to be another one of those days for San Frecce away at uh, Fukuoka um, this was um, yeah the the game that I picked out as the the, the best to watch uh, on the final day but um, yeah it looked very much a one-way traffic with uh, Hiroshima totally dominating the shot count to 21 to three according to the J League, so that was probably about thirty-five to four according to Google, for all I know. But um, yes, Hiroshima looked like it was going to be another one of those frustrating nil-nils until the sixth minute of second half stoppage time, when Hayato Araki, the uh, the central defender, of course, well, he showed his uh, teammates further up the pitch how to do it. As uh, with his back to goal, he uh, contrived a brilliant glancing header from a Marcos Junior cross past the unlucky and a previously impregnable uh, Takumi Nagaishi in the Fukuoka goal. So, uh, yes, Hiroshima, it looked like the Reds were going to pip them to third and a place in the ACL 2, whatever on earth that is. But, uh, yes, Hiroshima have ended up third in the table and Fukuoka, a, a storming season uh, in uh, in 2023 for them, of course, their first ever trophy in the cabinet, and they've ended it in seventh place, which is a, an absolutely superb uh, result for them. And they'll be looking to push up even higher in 2024. Well, for Reds, they certainly held up their end of the bargain away at to Sapporo, up at the Sapporo Dome, an occasion dominated by the Tensai himself, Shinji Ono. He uh, lowered the curtain on uh, an absolutely astonishing career, one of the uh, the best a, a Japanese player has ever enjoyed. No question about that. And, um, yeah, one of the most well-rounded careers as well for, uh, for, for Shinji. He was handed a start here by Misha Petrovic and uh, subbed off in the 22nd minute. 15 minutes after that, Yuya Asano uh, had the ball in the net, but the goal was correctly disallowed for offside. But then uh, Reds scored twice in the second half, and Alex Schultz penalty just before the hour. And then in the 72nd minute, Schultz played a role in the second as well. His long ball forward was headed on by Jose Kante with the Shoya Nakajima controlling and firing home low on the turn for his first J1 goal in over six years. So, uh, Johnny, I'll come to you first on, uh, well, both of these games, uh, Hiroshima ending up third and uh, Reds fourth. Um, Yeah, both taking care of business on the final day, although, yeah, it did take Hiroshima an awful long time to break through, didn't it? Yeah, the stats I got off uh, of Sportaria had it at 23 shots to four, and then the expected goals was at 1.48 to 0.09, which if I if I oversimplify it a bit, I usually divide shots by 10, which would give you 2.3, and that would suggest that there would be if they've got an xG of 2.3, there would be some good chances in there. Obviously, 1.48 is a good bit lower than that, which suggests that I think as the highlight showed that quite a lot of the Hiroshima chances were were coming through a, a packed. 
Fukuoka defence and from the edge of the box. So, yeah, as you say, it did, did take a bit of time for them to, to, to break break Fukuoka down, as Fukuoka are difficult to break down a- anyway. And it was good for them to have Marcos Jr. back and he helped to, to unlock the door. And yeah, great great scenes for them to, to get that third place. And yeah, I'm sorry, I know I said in the Green Mountain last week, Ben, that I was going to look into the ACL too, but I haven't had time this week. So maybe you can get Dan on sometime over the winter to, to explain how that, that works. But yeah, good for good for Hiroshima and, and Fukuoka. I also give them their dues. That's officially the best ever Avispa Fukuoka team, seventh in J1 and winning the Levan Cup. So but big congratulations to them. And then, mm. yeah, the, the, the Sapporo Dome, yeah, it's, it's a bit surreal in a, in a game with something riding on it that, like, you know, they stop in the 22nd minute, they form a tunnel for, for Ono to go off. Um, but, I mean, I guess, you know, Sam Fredchi did give some of their veterans, like Hayashi, get, got a run out last week. So it is the kind of done thing in the league and yeah it's, it's, it's hard for reds because they've been they've been fifth the previous so they've been they've been um in third for the previous five five weeks and then to, to, to kind of slip out their, their hands so so close to the end yeah really tough for them to take but yeah i wanted to, to get sam's thoughts on, on both urawa and sam fredche because um I know um, Scorza is going to leave and, and Kante is, I think he's, he's officially retiring. So it looks like there's been quite a big, big turnover at, at Reds. There's been some foreign coaches and uh, linked with the job and some of the foreign players might change as well. So I wonder what your thoughts on that is, Sam. And, and also with, with Sam Fritchie, I think I mentioned to Ben last week after they, they demolished Gamba that they, they might be the new sexy pick again for, for next season. So so how do you see these teams? How would you wrap up these two teams' campaigns? And how do you see them shaping up potentially for going over into the winter? Oh, Hiroshi are already penciled in for my J-Pred next <laughs> season. <laughs> they might go in this month again. But I, yeah, they, like the start, they started this season where they were just... Well, and nothing was going right for them. Kawamura just couldn't score or anything that happened. It just wouldn't go for him. They kept having like these draws. They didn't have a striker that would put anything in. So they missed out on a lot of points. Then they obviously lost Mitsuta for a while. Then they've come back. They've had a very good run and they've done very well to get from where they were up into third in this Asian Europa League or whatever they're into uh, next season. Um, obviously, they're very happy that Nishikawa decided to go forward for a corner a few weeks ago, which has ultimately cost the Reds a place in that competition. So that's all right. But they've definitely got the players for it. I think they need to add a little bit more depth. They certainly need to find a better striker. I mean, yes, Douglas Vieira scored quite a few goals this season, but he's not at the level. I still don't believe he's at the level of a, a championship winning striker or anything like that. And Soteria was flatter to deceive and yeah everyone else that they've got there I don't think is good enough so if they can find a, an out and out striker and keep Mitsuta and then maybe add a little bit to that as well obviously they lost Morishima in the in the middle of the season so there are a few they need a few um, players but I certainly think the bulk of that squad is good enough for a title charge next season um, as for Reds and I'd like to get both of your thoughts on this as well I've seen a lot of negativity about uh Urawa towards the end of the season. I know they don't; they're struggling to score goals, but compared to what they were last season, I think they've got a very, very solid foundation. That defense is arguably the best in the league, and they've got very good midfielders. And uh, they're just missing that kind of clinical edge. But I think he was building something there, Scott, so that maybe one or two signs. Again, you can say that for a lot of uh, a lot of teams, but I thought they'd done pretty well this year. I know it's kind of petered out. The Champions League has gone poorly this group and obviously dropping out and I can understand where some negativity comes from but looking overall, big picture, I thought 
uh, they'd put themselves in a really good position for a, for a challenge next season. I know that Reds will be wanting to compete for league titles and want to have been a bit closer to that, but I thought they were getting somewhere. And I think losing Scorza and then losing Kante as well, I think that's a big blow for them. So I think they're in another rebuild phase, which I think Reds could have done without. I, could, I think they could have done with a little bit more consistency there. Um, yeah, what are your thoughts on that, guys? Um, well, if, if I go if I go first, now I'll pass it back back to Ben. Uh, I think yeah, I agree with you, Sam. They've, they've got a really strong base, and we'll, we'll probably come on and talk to it in the, the team of the season because naturally there's a few c- contenders there. But Hoy Bratton's been like a, a really good like signing, and they already had a pretty decent defence, but he's just taken it to an- another level because he's a better player than than Iwanami. And yeah, as you say, that they haven't they've, they've struggled to to create like clear cut chances and have relied a bit on the, the individual brilliance of of Kante. But you know, with Nakajima, as you said, getting his first goal um, for, for Reds um, this weekend, he's been been injured for a bit. If they can get him integrated, and they've got Ekanets coming in the summer as well, so they already have players that you could reasonably expect to get better next season, as well as potentially sort of rejigging things. But yeah, I, I'm honest. I'm not sure about the actual reasons for Scorzer leaving because I've heard various rumours that I don't really want to comment on, but because I, I don't really know the the validity of the, the the source. But I don't believe his departure is all down to like his his performance in the job. That um, but yeah, I fully agree with you, Sam. You know, they they invested quite heavily. Like once Rodriguez came in and got some results, they brought in a lot of players to match. Rodriguez's system and Rodriguez's style and then getting rid of him at the end of last season again I thought they were slightly hasty to do that because a lot of their kind of the results weren't amazing but they looked like they were closer than they were like too far away and then yes Scorza I think from what he said he's actually more of an attacking coach than he showed with Reds but he just he worked with what he had and yeah I, I feel like they're in this yeah this constant rebuilding phase that they've they've almost got there with Rodriguez and they've gone a little bit further with Scorza and now someone else has to come in and are they going to drop the baton slightly before they re-pick it up again? Yeah, and it's going to be a very, very, very interesting winter. You mentioned your Ishihara from, from Shonan. I mean, for me, that's a classic J-League J- transfer. He's lost his place and Shonan have got better. So why not move, move to near the top of the league in Urala? I'm not sure that's it's quite quite the answer, but I'm sure they'll have bigger names up, up their sleeve than, than him. They're always going to be a team. You know, I think if you put Urawa in your top six every every year, you're not going to be wrong very often. But you know, we keep saying that Urawa are emerging, they're coming, they're going to be challenging next year or in two years, and then they change the coach again or some players change or all the foreign players come and then all the foreign players go. So I'd say maybe you know negativity is it shouldn't be so negative, but I can definitely understand frustration bit building around the red support. They're, they're getting so close and it feels like the, the ground's kind of pulled out beneath them. So, yeah, I, I can can under, I can see where they're, they're coming from. Uh, what about you, Ben? Well, yeah, I don't have an awful lot to add to that. I think you, you both of you guys have, have uh, yeah, summed up the situation really well. And I think it's, uh, yeah, a real shame for the uh, the, the supporters that, yeah, they're, they're, uh, they're, well, not going back to square one, but, yeah, having to, to reset under a new coach. Um, when yes, for for a lot of the red support, Rodriguez was already a, a popular manager, as you said, Johnny, and uh, sections of the support um, wanted him to stay on. And then yeah, they just gotten used to Scorja, and uh, now they have to uh, yeah to to welcome in a, another new manager who will uh, well presumably have fresh ideas and 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 want some fresh players, but. Um, yes, that, that that is that one uh, gaping hole in the, in the lineup uh, with Kante leaving, especially is a a reliable 
15 to 20 goal a season striker. And until they address that void, I don't think it really matters who's in the dugout. Yeah, I don't know if they can um, properly sustain a, a title push without a, a player of that sort of caliber. So that's what I'm going to be watching out for in the winter when it comes to Reds and what they do in the market. Obviously, yeah, the, the coach will be hugely influential in in how they go uh, next year. But yes, they I think they really need to uh, to make a statement uh, a statement uh, signing up front, and uh, we'll we'll wait and see if uh, the new coach is backed with uh, with just that. But uh, yeah, ultimately a uh, fourth place finished. Uh, as we said, uh, Hiroshima working their way back two third with that last uh, last gasp goal from uh, Araki uh, sealing their win away at Fukuoka. So yeah, the top four um, finished the season as they began the final match day, as did the bottom four, just out of a coincidence. Uh, the only uh, team in the middle 10 in the table that uh, finished the match day and uh, therefore the season in the same position they started it was a 10th placed Niigata, and as we move on to the final three games, we'll talk about Niigata and their 1-0 home win over Cerezo Osaka. It uh, came very late on uh, in the 87th minute. Uh, Two substitutes combined. Uh, Shusuke Ota first saw his uh, shot blocked by a a sliding defender, but then squared the loose ball uh, across the box, and uh, young striker Motoki Nagakura side-footed in for his uh, first J1 goal, while uh, also uh, winning 1-0 on the final day was uh, Kawasaki. That was away at uh, Tosu, and uh, coincidentally, their goal also came in the 87th minute. This was an unfortunate own goal from uh, young Tosu substitute Shota Hino, although it was, uh, must be said, an absolutely terrific header just inside the post from a, a Kawasaki corner. Yes, unfortunately for Hino, into his own net. But um, yeah, he must have been practicing those uh, at training, I think, during the week because it was executed superbly. But uh, yeah, unfortunately, uh, it meant that Kawasaki left the real estate agent in front of the station stadium with all three points. So uh, yeah, Niigata, a, um, well, I think we can safely say gents a spectacular return to the top flight finishing 10th and uh, yeah relegation was never a serious concern um i do have a sh- uh, short-term memory problems but yeah I-, I don't think they were ever really in doubt uh, danger at all throughout the year were they while uh, Cerezo have uh, slid down the table rather worryingly towards the end of the campaign although we knew their goose was cooked in terms of um yeah a uh, a top four uh, challenge quite a few weeks ago and they've ended up finishing just one point uh, one place above Niigata in the table in ninth while uh, Kawasaki worked their way up one spot to eighth on the final day and uh, Tosu slipped down to 14th so um sam yeah i don't know brief words on these two you you might want to uh, lavish praise on on niga to say um yeah obviously uh, they were uh, yeah favorite uh talking point of ours in the uh, the first half of the season and yeah pleasingly they were able to see the campaign out really well in fact they yeah, probably don't really want it to end do they no, absolutely. I think of all the teams I watched um, on Saturday, these are the best league after. I thought they played very, very well against a difficult Cerezo team, but the way that it just played through them time after time, they were fully deserving of at least the 1-0. It probably 
should have been more. But yeah, they've been very impressive this season. They just took to the league. They're going to play their way. Yet sometimes, especially at the start of the season, they got found out a little bit, but they had very good results. But they've just kept going. And uh, I think Takahiro Koh in midfield, and he's absolutely fantastic. Uh, I've mentioned Shutsuke Mito about a million times. He's been very, very good. But all round, I think they've covered for the loss of Ryotaro Ito very, very well. And yeah, there's so many good signs there. I think they've yeah finished 10th. And I think they've got a platform there to potentially build on that. Obviously, there is a chance that okay they get found out a little bit next season. But I think there's um, a real core of a very good squad there. And they stick to their principles. They're very brave in, the pos- in possession. And yeah, they've been a joy to watch, really. And uh, yeah, Cerezo just kind of filled that. But I think once they lost any um, um, chance of finishing in these ACL positions, I think they've just kind of taken their foot off the gas. But one thing that hasn't really is uh, Kawasaki Frontale, who haven't lost now since September uh, against Niigata, actually. But um, they've done really well at the end of the season. They've taken on some form into the Champions League. They sh- will hope that will carry on to next weekend's uh, Emperor's Cup final, where they can hopefully for them finish this season on a high against uh, Raysol. But yeah, I think, uh, so they've got a few players like Jesse L coming back. I think it's very key to the way that they play. And um, Damian's come back in as well. So they've looked a little bit more like the Frontale of old. I know Oniki's uh, staying on for next season. Just maybe if they focus on signing some defenders in the window. I know that's never happened in the history of Kawasaki Frontale, but it might do this season. They've got... Yeah, things to they've got. Um, obviously, they're through in the Champions League. They've done very well in that competition. If they can end with a, a trophy as well, I think that would be great. That gets them into the Champions League elite if they do that, which sounds exciting. Uh, I don't really understand the <laughs> format of it, but <laughs> whatever. I'm sure it'd be fun. Like, aren't they split into like two groups of twelve, and then you play eight games randomly, and then you? I don't know. It's, yeah, maybe Dan can come on and try and. I don't know, try and explain that to everybody, but yeah, whatever. But it should be exciting, I'm sure. But yeah, I think they've ended the season with some level of positivity after really a poor season. But, uh, and who were the other team? Tosa, yeah, Tosa. They've just, they've got so limited uh, resources. They've stayed clear of relegation. They've never been in any real doubt. And it's just another Sagan Tosu season. So I can't really add much more to them. I was actually surprised. I was looking through the, the end of season stats, and Sagantos are joint fifth for numbers of goals scored, which which amazed me because there's a stat that came out to to Ben with uh, a few weeks back, and they haven't bettered it. So I think in the the 34 games they played, like they were outshot 28 times by opponents, and opponents had the better expected goals like 20 25 times out of 34. Yet yet they still managed to to grind out all these results, especially at the start of the season, like nicking wins and nicking points here and there. So. Yeah, I saw again in the rumours section today, I think it, it, Iwasaki seems to be linked with, with half the league and uh, yeah, he, he might go and maybe maybe Naganuma could go and, and your favourite uh, Kawahara as well. But yeah, you just, you just expect with Sagantosa they're going to regenerate and they'll, they'll be okay. People like me will, will think they might be in the bottom three, but they might be they might be kind of all right. And yeah, then Niigata as well, because... I think if there had been three teams like in the relegation trouble, they would have flirted with relegation kind of maybe in the midway point, but then they've they've really been been kicking on to the end of the season, and I'm really excited to see because it's it's a big club with a bit big support. I know it's not in the most like glamorous or necessarily the, the easiest to access part of of Japan, but 
know, it's, it's good to see them doing well. And, and Nagakura with his first goal is a really good story because at the start of the 2022 season, he was lining up in the, the Kanto Soccer League. So he's just shot through the leagues. I'm not really sure what happened because his youth career looks like quite promising. Then he, he graduated and went to the, the Kanto Soccer League. So maybe some kind of injury problems. But I think he's someone to look out for for next season as maybe a, a more more reliable source of goals. But yeah, I think I think I'm I'm quite positive about Niigata and Frontale. Tosu not so positive, and yeah, you heard my, my conversation with, with Alan last week. He seems to be a bit more positive than me about Serizo, but I see uh, Yonich is gone, and they've released uh, Maruhashi today as well. So I think they're definitely t- taking on board the need to get younger for next year. So uh, as ever, it'll be, be an interesting uh, off season down down the Yanmar Stadium. Indeed, and all right then, so to the final game of the match day and uh, thus the season, um, Nagoya, of course, were playing their last couple of home games at uh, Gifu's Nagaragara ground, and uh, unfortunately, kickoff had to be delayed uh, for 45 minutes uh, on Sunday afternoon due to an unfortunate uh, incident in the uh, Nagaragara Park precinct. Um, uh, So, yes, the game... Uh, finally got going uh, uh, just before three o'clock. And um, yeah, of course, they're all supposed to take place at the same time on the final day of the season. But yeah, circumstances there meant that the kickoff was delayed. Um, Kashiwa uh, took the lead in the 71st minute through uh, Mateus Savio. He was a set up by Tomiya Koyamatsu and fired a shot past uh, Mitch Langarak. That was uh, after Nagoya had uh, what looked to me a perfectly legitimate goal um, disallowed for offside four minutes before the break. Uh, Kensuke Nagai, uh, the scorer in inverted commas, but uh, yeah, the goal was uh, disallowed. The linesman's decision stood uh, after a uh, VAR check, although it looked level to me. Uh, but then uh, finally, and uh, well, I guess uh, all Raysol fans were were dreading a, a late Nagoya equaliser. And uh, yes, it came from the penalty spot in the fifth minute of uh, second half stoppage time. Uh, in the third minute of uh, of added on time, uh, the uh, Raysol defender Diego uh, inadvertently blocked a uh, Naoki Maida header with his arm uh, up against the post. Uh, VAR checked and uh, uh, yes, after that um, Diego was uh, sent off and a penalty was awarded that uh, Kasper Juncker uh, slotted home. So uh, the final game of the season ended 1-1. Raysol finishing with the four straight draws to uh, end the campaign and yet again they've uh, dropped points from a uh, winning position. Um, A couple of things we have to wrap up from last week, uh, Johnny, and entirely my fault, but before we moved off the Kashiwa Tosu game last week, uh, I forgot to uh, to bring up the uh, the Kashiwa Player of the Season award, but uh, yeah, we spoke uh, well by text on uh, Tuesday and uh, decided that uh, we would rubber stamp the uh, the patrons' decision of uh, Mal Hosoya as the uh, yeah Kashiwa Player of the Season. He got 80% of the vote to Mateus Savio's 20 with the Tayo Koga not receiving a vote. Um, I think we were both surprised at the the margin of victory, but happy to uh, go along with Hosoya as the winner. And then, Johnny, it's something that will mean something to only you and me. The word I was looking for uh, when we were talking about Kashiwa last week was an indictment, a, a damning indictment of a Kashiwa season that they dropped points from a winning position again last week. And yeah, wouldn't you know, they've gone and done it again uh, on Sunday afternoon. 
Yeah, it's four games in a row. Um, I actually the the end of Gamba's game yesterday. I was the the end of season ceremony, and I I met up with uh, with Peter, one of the the patrons in, in the stadium, and we're looking at the league table. And at that point, Cashwell were winning, and, and Gamba were down to seventeenth. And I said, J- just wait, they'll, they'll concede an equaliser, and right right on to <laughs> additional time penalty goes in. Yeah, yeah, Cashwell, they just basically. I know they have an Emperor's Cup final, but you know they must just be so happy that the league season is finished. The 17th is nowhere near good enough, but they they, they have survived. And yeah, I think Diego. I'm not really sure why he got a red card because it's not like he did a Luis Suarez at the 2010 World Cup and saved it off the line. He's his back's mm. to it. And but I mean, I, I guess two two wrongs don't make a right. But he he was the player involved in the the Mitski Saito injury, and there was no penalty given in in that when it really should have been a, a penalty given. So, I mean, maybe it's kind of balanced out, although I see he is suspended for the Emperor's Cup final, while Tsunoda of, of Marinos, his suspension is just wiped because the last game of the season seems a bit inconsistent. But, yeah, Nagoya, they've just limped at the end of the season. What One win in the, the last 11. That was what, scraped 1-0 against Gamba. They, they've been linked with half the Fukuoka squad, I think, and thrice relegated Rikia Uehara. He's been relegated the last three times he's played in J1. So uh, I don't care how good he's played in J2. I wouldn't want to touch him with a barge ball, to be honest. But um, Kashima, yeah, if they, can win, if they can win the Emperor's Cup, it would be, be great for them. But they just got this massive squad. It was counting 35 players in the squad and six out on loan. How, how they're going to sort that out. And yeah, what, what I wanted to ask you, Sam, well, I mean, obviously your, your thoughts on Nagoya, but but Ihara uh, Kashiwa, I get the feeling that especially if they win the Emperor's Cup, they'll probably keep him, keep him on. But would you think, would that be the right decision? Or is it really time to just bend this season altogether and go with a completely fresh face? I, I would stick with him. I think they've done okay. They're not being, obviously, there's enough about that squad to, like, as you said, they've been in the lead for so many games. I think he has improved them slightly. I think, as you mentioned, there's such a big squad there. I think he just needs to get in and sort it out. And I think he deserves a window or two to get in, figure it out what he wants, what he doesn't want, and then just kind of go from there. I think there's still the makings of a decent team there. They should be higher than they are. I think it's going to be... It's going to be difficult to wade as well. As you imagine, there's a fair chance of soil leaves in, in the window, so they're going to have to deal with that. So, uh, yeah, I just give him a little bit of time to sort it out. I don't think adding in managerial upheaval as well as the entire squad upheaval is going to be necessary. I don't think that nec- that's going to help them either. I think he's done OK. I mean, he, um, they've obviously struggled this season. There's not been a great season, but I think, yeah, I think he deserves a little bit of time. I think they were... I'll say again, this game just and just kind of what the summing up their season, the way that it just falls apart for them. I have to get it in while I'm on, but yeah, the, the goal from Nagoya comes from Kida gets away down the left hand side. No prizes to anybody for guessing who doesn't go and close him down. And yeah, the penalties are just, I mean, it's definitely a penalty, but to give a red card is disgusting. I mean, he's not even looking at it, he's jumping back to the ball. I think it's really harsh. But yeah, Nagoya get away with one. And Nagoya, I mean, you can say this again about a lot of teams, but it's going to be so interesting. You mentioned earlier that Nakatani likely heading out. Mariama, I think, has already confirmed that he's leaving. Again, you'd think Fuji should be in Europe sooner rather than later. And for a team that has built themselves on such a good, solid backline to then basically lose it in one window, and yeah, it's going to be really difficult for them because they haven't shown a great deal going forward, despite the quality that they've had this season in Juncker and then 
Mateus for half of it, Morishima for the rest of it. There's so many good attacking players that they don't necessarily make use of, or they just get in front and then take them off and then concede. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be a difficult winter again for Nagoya. I'm not 100% sure Hasegawa's the guy for them, but maybe if they are losing so many defensive players to have that sort of defensive coach, might help them but yeah I think it's been a bit disappointing for Nagoya because for a large part of this season they were right there in the at least the battle for the Champions League and for them to have tailed off so miserably I think is pretty pretty poor pretty frustrating for Nagoya supporters so both these teams will come out of this season pretty frustrated with the way it's gone at least Razor they've got a shot next Sunday. They're not favourites at all against Kawasaki, but to be in a final, anything can happen on the, on the day. And for them, if they come out of it, 17th and Emperor's Cup winners, they'd take that. They'd take that all day long. So, yeah, it'd be very, really interesting. They've still, yeah, I think with Hosoya, with Mateo Savio, with Sento to a degree, Inakai and Koga, I think, are good at the back. There's, yeah, they've got enough about them to beat Kawasaki on the day, but... Yeah, it's going to be a tough ask for them. Indeed, indeed, and we'll uh, yeah we'll uh, preview the Empress Cup final uh, later on in part two of the episode. But uh, that's it then for the uh, the 2023 J1 season. That was the season that was. Kobe are champions. Yokohama FC are relegated, and uh, yet yeah, we'll uh, we'll do it all again. Uh, in uh, 2024 Uh, we'll uh, take a quick break now and uh, when we return we will piece together the J1 team of the season and uh, then as I said we'll also preview the Emperor's Cup final back in just a moment Welcome back to part two, and uh, now it's time to put together the J-Talk J1 team of the season for 2023. And uh, over the second half of uh, last week and through the weekend, our patrons have been been, uh, voting on our nominees uh, right across the pitch, up and down the pitch for uh, this uh, huge honour, gentlemen. So we'll uh, begin as the patrons began with their voting. Uh, between the sticks, we had uh, five nominees for uh, goalkeeper in our team of the season. And, uh, well, I must admit that I was absolutely stunned at the result of the poll. Um, Park il got a whopping 71% of the vote, the uh, the Tosu stopper. Uh, Keisuke Osako got 14%, and uh, I will disclose at this point of proceedings that Osako was uh, my selection. Uh, he was uh, uh, who I voted for. Uh, Shusaku Nishikawa and uh, Mitch Langerak. Langerak, the two-time defending champion. Uh, champion's not the right word, but the two-time uh, selection in uh, this uh, J-Talk team of the season. Uh, the, they both got 7% of the vote so it looks like Langarek's reign might be coming to an end and uh, Daya Maikawa of course uh, he's the J1 champion now so uh, he won't mind uh, too much uh, I guess about uh, missing out on any votes at all uh, in this poll but um, well uh, Sam I'll come to you first Uh, I was stunned uh, to see Park uh, win by the margin that he did but uh, the patrons have certainly made their uh, their voices well and truly known in, in this particular poll. They absolutely have, and I don't want to start by going against the patrons, but I didn't vote for Park. I would went with you with Osako. I think, I think Johnny's been on a crusade to get Park into this team of the year for a few years, so I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to concede it to him um, um, for this season. But I thought Osako, of all of them, I thought he's had a very solid season. He's got himself firmly into the Japan national team. I think just all around, I think he's 
yeah, just a slightly stronger goalkeeper all around. I know Park is very good with his feet. I think he's very easy on the eye. I think he's a very good goalkeeper, and he's had less mistakes this season than he has in previous seasons. But I would generally feel safer with Osaka in, in the in between the sticks than I would be with Park. I think the others are usually this is reserved for Mitch Langerup for me, but I think he's had a weaker season than any other season this season. I think he's made a few more mistakes. I think he's been more easily beaten with a few shots. And I think the others, yeah, have made mistakes as well. So I was with Osaka, but uh, yeah, Johnny, um, why did you vote for Park? Um, well, I, I kind of focused on that. I, I fully agree. Like, you know, you said Osaka is the, the first choice goalkeeper for Japan. And if we're choosing on, like, who is actually the best goalkeeper, uh, I'm quite happy with Osaka. With these kind of things, I tried to look at like what they've actually done this season. So I, I guess, and I, I can't put words into the, the patron's mouth, but I, I'm a bit well, surprised that you guys, that the, the margin was so great. But I, I guess maybe because, like, Osaka, Langarak, Nishikawa, Maikawa, all fall into the category of good goalkeepers who play for teams with good defences. So they don't actually do that much every every week, whereas Park is literally forced to make save after save after save. So you know, the other four, if you add up the amount of saves with the number of goals conceded, it ranges between 105 to 122. So there's not much of a spread between the other four goalkeepers. If you look at Park, it's in 178. So it's almost like there should be two different categories here. So I, I went with Park based on the fact, yeah, I think he's kept he's won tosses so many points with, with with good saves and good goalkeeping, and like you say, Sam, he's he's made fewer mistakes th- th- this year. So I, I found him easier to kind of take away from from the other other three. Um, I, I guess like Shusaku Nishikawa is maybe suffering from from recency bias with his like going up for the the corner against Viso Kobe. Maybe that's been held against him. And I do agree with you that Langerat's kind of fallen back a bit this season. Maybe as evidenced by uh, Matthias Savio's goal at the, the the weekend there, but yeah. So I mean, the, the patrons have spoken 71% to, to 14%, but amongst them, us three, I, I'm outvoted two to one Osako to Park. So so Ben, what, what what do we do? No, no. I think your your vote and the the weight of the the patrons' votes. I think we can uh, Sam and I can concede that um, yeah, it, it might just be Park's turn. Uh, I'm I'm happy to go along with uh, with Park, even though yeah he wasn't my vote, but um the, yeah the weight of, the weight of votes certainly carries the day here. So um, Sam, I think yeah a one word answer we can we can rubber stamp that. Yeah, all good, all good with me. Yep, no worries. Okay, so well done to Park Il Gyu, uh, the goalkeeper of our J1 team of the season. Um, well, that was a landslide for Park. The uh, the, the next uh, poll will come on to. Uh, we need to choose uh, two fullbacks, gentlemen, and the, the votes were much more widely spread across our four nominees. Uh, in uh, this particular poll, Cerezo Osaka's Seiya Maikuma got 37% of the vote. Gotaku Sakai of Kobe, 25%. His teammate, Ryo Hatsuse, 20 And Nagoya's Ryoya Morishita got 16 So uh, Hatsuse and Morishita were the... Uh, the choices in our team of the half season, guys, but they uh, were relegated to third and fourth in this particular poll. And I should uh, mention for listeners who aren't aware, uh, the patrons are able to choose two of the nominees uh, in this poll. And actually for all of the other ones going forward where we uh, where we need two players for uh, each uh, position or positions across the pitch. So, um, yeah, Mike Kuma and uh, Sakai ripping up the script from the half season 
Johnny, I'll come to you first then. Your turn to go first, I suppose. Um, yeah, how do you feel that the patrons have handled this one? Are you prepared to go along with Maikuma and Sakai, or you want to throw a, a spanner in the works? It's an interesting one because, as, as everyone knows, I'm, I'm a big fan of Seiya Maikuma from his, his days back at Nagasaki, and he, he did much better in the, the – he won against Leo Sierra in the, the Cerezo poll, which surprised me, and then – he, he's won here again, but I actually voted for the two VCL Kobe fullbacks, Sakai and Hatsuse. I, I just thought that they'd, they'd won the league, and Hatsuse, I know defensively there's some questions, but his, his assists and his, his set plays have, have really come on this season. And Sakai missed a few games, but he's played both both sides of defence, and then he's even filled in a, in central midfield the last few games. So I, I went for, for those two. But you know, I'm I'm quite happy to to Sakai has won the, the the popular vote, so I'm happy for him to be there. Uh, if if you guys were were wanting to put Hatsuse above Sakai, I would go along with that. But yeah, I, I don't really have any reason to challenge the patrons, and unless there is there's um yourself both both of you guys want to want to do it as well. So I mean, Sam, what what did you think? Who did you vote for, and what what do you want to do? Yeah, this was uh, the toughest vote I think because I think you could pretty much throw a blanket over all four of these. They're all very uh, very good uh, fullbacks have all had very good seasons. I actually went exactly with the patrons with my Kuma and Sakai. I thought I wanted my Kuma. I wanted maybe not the way to go about this, but I wanted a bit more of a spread of teams. And I think my Kuma has just done really well this season. I think he's yeah gone back to his fullback position. And last season he was more of a winger, so for him to be able to revert back into that position, I think he's done very very well. I think he's very solid. He's got himself into national team contention. I just thought yeah all around I think he's had a very good season. And then my pick. Between was between Hatsuse and Sakai. I just thought, who do I want as a? Who would I trust more as a defender? I think it would just be Sakai. I think he's a little bit more well-rounded. I think defensively is a bit stronger. Hatsuse does have his set pieces, very very good set pieces, but as just an out-and-out defender, Sakai just about edged it for me. So I was with the patrons here. But Ben, any um, other thoughts from you? Yeah, I don't know. I'm getting flashbacks here. You and I usually gang up on Johnny, don't we, uh, Don't we, Sam? It's happening again here. We're, <laughs> between the sticks, we both had Osako. And, uh, yeah, for uh, for me, for, for the fullbacks here, I mean, Mike Kuma and uh, Sakai would have been my my two selections. Um, point well taken on, on Hatsuse and his, his set-piece delivery. But I think, yeah, we get, players we're going to have uh, further up the pitch are going to be able to do uh, just as well, if we're putting together this uh, in inverted commas fantasy team that will take on um, some team from elsewhere, then uh, yeah, how to say set pieces could have come in handy, and indeed he would definitely get a spot in my uh, squad, uh, my wider squad. But yeah, in terms of a starting eleven, um, I think my Kuma and, and Sakai are probably the, the best two options. But uh, yeah, Morishita, I guess, feels a little bit like the uh, the, the forgotten man. Uh, these days, maybe a victim of uh, the way uh, Nagoya finished off the season. Uh, Mauricio was obviously in the national team uh, picture there for a while uh, earlier on in the year, but I think he's missed out on the last two squads, hasn't he? And um, yeah, I think uh, his uh, his chances of going to the Asian Cup are well and truly gone now. So that's a shame for him. But um, yeah, I think we'll uh, we'll we'll put Mike Kuma on the right and uh, Sakai on the left of our uh, team of the season at fullback and uh, move into the centre where, uh, again, uh, the patrons could vote on uh, on two uh, of our shortlist of four. We had uh, the uh, the Urao Reds centre-back duo of Alex Schultz and Marius Hoybraten nominated. Uh, Schultz got uh, 50% 
of the vote in this poll. Uh, Hoy Bratton, uh, just 12% though, as uh, Haruya Fuji of uh, Nagoya uh, garnered a 29% of the vote. And uh, coming in fourth is uh, Yuki Honda, obviously one of the uh, unsung heroes for Kobe, but uh, great to see him recognised uh, in our shortlist and indeed acknowledged by uh, yeah, a couple of patrons in our poll and uh, yeah, Honda getting uh, some votes there. But uh, uh, Schultz and uh, Fuji uh, clearly uh, the top two selections. Um, I wonder, Johnny, if you went for the the pair of Kobe fullbacks, did you also go for the the pair of Reds centre-backs? You read my mind exactly, yeah. I, I did go for, for Schultz and Hoybratton. Uh, I'm pretty sure all, all three of us are going to agree on, on Schultz. You know, he, he was the, the dominant force in, in this vote and, and in the division. He's, he's solid defensively and his, his seven penalty kicks have also helped Reds, Reds no end. So yeah, he, he's a fantastic player and he really helps out the division with, with his qual- quality. Um, yeah, I just thought, you know, the Kobe fullbacks and the, the, the Reds, the red centre-backs, that that was the best way to go, because I think Hoy Bratton's been really solid, like, like I said, when we, we discussed um, Reds when at Sapporo, but, you know, Hoy Bratton has lost to, to, to Fuji by, by a considerable margin, and I really like Fuji too, you know, he was in a team of the half season, I think it was, was it last week against uh, Vissel, his, his header from his own half ended up setting up a goal, and I think that the guy, the, the offside goal in, in this week's game, I think was set up by by another header of defence from him, and he's got, got a great range of passing as well. He really is. He's really blossomed the last couple of years into a, a really good defender. So, yeah, I, I went for the Urawa duo. But if if the the like the, the feeling from you guys is to go along with the patrons, I'm more than happy to back Schultz and Fuji. So, so Sam, how about how about you? Yeah, I've, I'm with the patrons. I went Schultz and Fuji. There's not, nothing against Hoybrat. I think he's done very well coming in. I think he's a little more understated than Schultz is, but gets on his, with his job. He's very, very solid. I think he's had a terrific first season into the J-League, but I can't see Fuji on a poll and not vote for him. So I think I have to go with him. I just think, yeah, I think he's... Um, almost certainly bound for Europe either in the winter or next summer. I think he's all around a very good defender. Obviously has learned well off Mariama and Nakatani who've guided him through, but I think he's coming to his own. I think he's been Nagoya's best defender. And I think, yeah, just all around, I think he's terrific. So I had him with Alex Schultz. I'd like to mention Yuki Honda. I think if there was a most improved 11, I think he'd be like the captain of that one. I think for him to even be considered at the start of the season would be completely unheard of because I thought he was pretty rubbish at Kyoto last season for him then to come in and then be a very good key part of this Kobe team is uh, full credit to him but yeah I'm with the patrons with Schultz and Fuji uh, Ben are we ganging up on uh, Johnny again well, no, pigs are flying, Sam, because I'm I'm with Johnny here. I've got the uh, I've got the Reds uh, the red centre back duo. So I guess we need to work out whether the uh, the the weight of votes between Fuji and Hoy Bratton should um, override the fact that yeah, two of us have gone um, in uh, in a different direction and gone for Hoy Bratton instead of Fuji. I mean, with the goalkeepers, I don't think we could ignore uh, Parks. Um, well, yeah, basically landslide. Uh, vote tally, but here, um, yeah. What do you reckon, Johnny? We'll uh, we'll uh, we'll upset the apple cart a little bit here. Well, yeah, but we, we do have the the. I guess there's the two options. One of having the, the solid duo together that know each other. The, the other is that then the, the entire back four with, with the goalkeeper would all come from different clubs. So I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm honestly on a fence. Sam, have you got any any ideas for a tiebreaker? Well, we could just go with Chris's suggestion. <laughs> <laughs> Tashua number 50 <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, well, we do want to actually win this game, though, Sam. Uh, whoever we're taking on, we uh, yeah, we actually need to win. So, oh well, I, I think you tried. To, did you try and talk yourself out of uh, your own choice, Johnny? So maybe we should we should just give it to to Fuji then. I think yeah, to, to avoid upsetting the patrons too too much. <laughs> okay. he, he did win by not not as much as Park, but he, he did win by enough, and I I have no problem with him being in the lineup, although. You know, we could go for a back three, but that would mess everything up further down the line. So, yeah, I, I would go Schultz and Fuji in, in, in these circumstances. Do, do we have agreement? Yeah. OK, no, that's fair enough. Yeah. And uh, yeah, as you say, it does uh, does mean that, uh, yeah, five clubs are represented uh, across the back four and, and the goalkeeper. So, uh, yeah, fair dues and uh, congratulations to Alex Schultz. And uh, how do you Fuji, our uh, pair of centre-backs? Now, we might have some uh, controversy here in the central midfield where I didn't realise there was a Frontale massive uh, amongst our uh, patrons, but yeah, they appear to have uh, contrived to get uh, Yasuto Wakizaka to the top of our uh, central midfield poll. Uh, a shortlist of uh, five nominees was uh, yeah, headed by Wakizaka. Uh, with uh, Atsuki Ito second, Hotaru Yamaguchi of uh, Kobe third, Kota Watanabe and uh, Yuta Higuchi rounding out the uh, the vote getters. But uh, yeah, this was uh, I think a surprise for all of us in the green room. Sam, uh, Wakizaka and Ito are the, uh, the the choices of the, uh, the the patrons, with Wakizaka getting the most votes. So I guess yeah, we need to decide on the uh, the balance of how our central midfield would look, and if we're happy enough with with Wakizaka and uh, Ito, or whether we uh, yeah we want to spring for uh, the the title winner in the centre of the park in in Yamaguchi. Yeah, I know we missed I've missed a few months, but I don't rem- didn't realise I'd miss it this wacky Zaka becoming Zidane or something and I don't know how he's got all these votes I'm sure he's uh, he's always been a good player and certainly but for him to have the this amount of votes considering the competition I thought was pretty incredible uh I went with Ito um I think he is again another player that should be in Europe pretty soon I think he's an all-around very good midfielder again another one that's got himself solidly into that Japan national team I just think and it's also pandas to you Ben because I know how much of a fan you are of Atsuki Ito but the second one was really difficult for me. I actually went with Koto Watanabe. I think he mm. set, settled into that midfield at F. Marinos very, very well. I thought they needed some representation as well, where we were kind of without them for a bit. But considering the mess that was going on behind him, considering Kida's been in and out of the squad, he's been that one mainstay in there. I think he's absolutely developed very well this season. I think he's... Yeah, can controls that midfield, and then he allows the spring with the attack to go ahead of him. So, yeah, I was with Watanabe. Like the others, Higuchi, I think is very good, but he's kind of been in and out. He's been about on the wing occasionally. And then with Yamaguchi, I think Yamaguchi was very much helped by Saito, who made him look a lot better. He's has done well since then, but I think Saito really helped him along. So I wasn't quite able to vote for Yamaguchi. So I went with. Ito and Watanabe, so yeah, through a few cats amongst the pigeons, I suppose. But uh, yeah, Ben, what were you thinking with this? Well, obviously Ito would be uh, yeah straight in in my in my team, um, and yeah, I think Wakizaka Yamaguchi, yeah, I guess uh, Wakizaka. Although uh, I guess he's, uh, a number of them have been penalties uh, towards the end of the season, but yeah, out of this list of, uh, of players, he probably has the best um, the best numbers attacking wise, and 
uh, yeah, with the, the weight of numbers, um, if it's a straight choice between Wakizaka and Yamaguchi for me, then, um, yeah, I guess Wakizaka would just about edge it. But uh, I guess it does feel a bit strange to, uh, uh, up to this point in proceedings, only have one player in, in the team from the uh, the team that's won the title. I know we're going to come on to some other nominees who are likely to make it uh, further up the pitch. But, uh yeah, I guess I will. Uh, well, obviously, yeah, go with Ito, and then I'll I'll give it to Wakizaka. So, uh, Johnny, um, yeah, how how did you slice this one? Uh, to to further muddy the waters, I, I actually voted for Wakizaka and Yamaguchi, but I get the feeling when I get to my conclusion, I'm probably going to compromise and, and have Ito in the team because, uh, yeah, this is another one of these ones I wanted to vote for for more than I was allowed to because I always find central midfield is the hardest one because. You know, defensively, teams either have two centre-backs or three centre-backs, but central midfield, there's all these different shapes, and people like Sam said, like, Higuchi plays sometimes in the middle, sometimes out wide, and Mitsuda, we didn't know where to put him, we didn't include him in, in this section, so, yeah, I agree with you, Ben, I think Wakizaka, although he takes penalties, he's got, he's got nine goals and six assists in 30 games, so that's like what, one every two games. Um, and that's equal, I think Higuchi's the only one that can equal those, those numbers, so I think his his attacking prowess next to either Ito or Yamaguchi would be a, be a very good co- combination. I, I went for Yamaguchi not because I necessarily think he's the, like, like nowadays he's not necessarily the, the, the number one player or the, the best player in the, in the midfield, but he was the cap, captain of the, the champions. So that, that's why I chose him eventually over, over Ito. But Ito was a fantastic player, as, as Sam has said. So yeah, my, my votes were Wakizaka and Yamaguchi, but I'm quite happy to go Wakizaka and Ito if that is what, what we want to go for. And yeah, I think Watanabe is maybe too far behind, even though Sam did make some, some very good points. So but Ben, do we, do we go for Wakizaka and Ito or what, what, what do you think? Yeah, I think we'll do that. Yeah, uh, so we're all surprised that Wakizaka won the poll. But um, yeah, uh, ultimately, if two of us go along with it, then uh, I think we're OK. And uh, yeah, I think in a round. Yeah, Ito's also got two votes from myself and Sam. So uh, yeah, we'll we'll run that as a, a central midfield. Atsuki Ito and uh, Yasuto Wakizaka. Uh, next, we need uh, two wingers. Again, keeping in mind, listeners, we, we know that, yeah, as Johnny said, different teams playing different formations and uh, yeah uh, uh, a lot of teams uh, setting up 4-3-3 but uh, as we'll come on to the, the weight of the center forwards and the, the quality of them this season meant we uh, we felt we had to uh, set up in a 4-4-2 so yeah wingers uh, wide attackers uh, w- whichever uh, you want to however you want to define them um, this uh, four-man shortlist is uh, chock full of goals and assists and um, yeah it was a very interesting a very interesting poll with an interesting result. Uh, Yoshinori Muto of Kobe got 47%. Uh, next in joint second was the Elber of Yokohama F. Marinos and Makoto Mitsuta of Hiroshima with uh, Yuya Asano of uh, Sapporo coming in fourth in the poll with uh, with 5% of the vote. So I'll go first here. Um, and uh, yeah, for me, Muto... And uh, Elber are my two selections. I'm well and truly on the record, and list, regular listeners know this. Uh, how much? Uh, well, yeah, how much we all love Mitsuta here at uh, J Talk Towers. But um, yeah, I think the 
Right, well, the main um, driving force ever, uh, in an attacking sense of the top two, uh, Muto and Elber, I, I'd like to see them uh, rewarded with the spots in this team. I'll come to you, Johnny. Who did you vote for? And, um, yeah, how did you separate, uh, yeah, four very, uh, very talented nominees? Yeah, this, this is a this is a difficult one because you know we're we're not like the, the official G League. We don't just kind of pick a three two four one formation and, and have one fullback. So you're trying to trying to cram these. I really want Muto Elber and Midstar all on all on my team. I'm, I'm sorry to say Asano, but it's it's too hard a category for him to get into. And when we were originally making up the, this list, I, the team I had in my mind was four three three, and I could fit all three of these in. But that meant obviously leaving a centre forward out. So mm-hmm. I think I think Muto t- ten goals and ten assists. That's a, a fantastic season for him. And then Elber has got nine goals, eleven assists. So it's almost the same. And I think Elber he, he's going into this Mariners team and just his pace and his his vision is is, is amazing. And Midstar, as much as yeah, as you say, as we as we love him, he, he's played like. Um, Ten games less than than everyone else, and you know the, the biggest credit I kind of give is that, that when he was missing for those eleven games, that his team only picked up eight points. But I think ultimately in a, in a thing like this, that's more of a criticism of the rest of the San Fredche squad rather than something that should necessarily propel you above Muto and, and Elber into this lineup. So, if he'd stayed fit, would have been an extremely strong candidate, and we may have had to change the the formation to to fit Min, but. Yeah, I'm quite happy to go with, with Muto and Elber. How, how about you, Sam? I think we've got agreement, finally, for all, <laughs> all three of us. That, yeah, Muto nailed on. And it was really tight between Elber and Mitster, but I thought Mitster obviously missing so much of the season. And even at the start of it, he was kind of played out of position. He was playing right wing back where he wasn't particularly good, particularly strong in that position. And I think Elber has mm. just been a bit more consistent, I think. Still maybe not his best season either. I think he has played better than this, which is kind of where I was a little bit tighter on it. But yeah, still, he's so vital to the way that Marinos can counter-attack. And with him there, they've always got a chance. And he still, yeah, just produced quality when needed. So I thought Elber and Muto, yeah, I think that's a particularly potent winger. And Mitster, maybe next season. It's very difficult for me to not vote for Mitster on a poll, but... Yeah, because of the time missed and because before the injury, I don't think he was particularly great. Then, yeah, I think I've given it Elber and Muto. So all aligned, which is nice. Excellent stuff. All right, so we'll uh, we'll put Muto on the right and uh, Elber on the left uh, in front, of, well, on the side of uh, yeah, Ito and, and Wakizaka. And, uh, yeah, firing ammunition for our front two. We had uh, five nominees for the two centre-forward positions actually we had the the five top scorers in the league heading into match day 34 so uh, Diego Oliveira uh, unfortunately uh, got uh, no votes uh, but uh, an FC Tokyo the fact that an FC Tokyo player was nominated at all um, was uh, will uh, surprise many I suppose uh, Mal Hosoya 5% of the vote Kasper Junker 10 but uh, yeah, to no, so nobody's surprised, I'm sure. And well, basically the reason why we're four four two in this uh, in this uh, poll, uh, listeners, is because uh, yeah, we felt we had to reward both uh, Anderson Lopez, who got 30% of the vote, and Yuya Osako, who got uh, 55 uh, with uh, with spots in this team. So I'm sure that um, yeah, we're going to finish in agreement again. Uh, both of these players ending up with uh, 22 goals. Uh, on the season, a, uh, a superb return from both of them for the top two teams 
in the league. Um, yeah, along similar lines to Muto and uh, Elber, of course. Uh, the the dynamic duos uh, up front for the the top two in the league. With apologies to to Jan Mateus uh, to F Marinos, of course. But uh, yes, st- uh, stunning seasons from both of these. And uh, yeah, Sam, I'm uh, I'm sure you're going to be in agreement. And uh, yeah, uh, Anderson Lopez, especially, he's put his moat jumping days behind him. And uh, yeah, he's uh, really flourished this season, hasn't he? Oh, he's been excellent. Both of them have been fantastic. Lopez, his finishing has been, yeah, absolutely superb. It's very rare he misses an opportunity. And yeah, shown with his goals is just, yeah, so much. It's come on leaps and bounds from that. Sapporo season where, I mean, he scored goals, but it didn't mean that he had it. I don't know what he was doing, but now he's become a very clinical finisher. And yeah, I think he's been absolutely crucial to F. Marios being able to sustain the title challenge for as long as he can. So he absolutely had to be in it. And I know I kind of, we, but I think we all really wanted a 4 3 3 sort of formation, but really there was no way that we could leave out either of these players. So I think they had to come in. And Osako, and we might go on to player of the season, but Osako's been brilliant. I mean, um, last season I spent most of it trying to get Osaka into the World Cup squad. That didn't work, but I think he's proven this season just how good a player he is, just all around. And I think this takes him a little bit above Anderson Lopez. Both of them have had brilliant in front of goal, but the work Osako does in terms of coming short and holding the ball up, releasing Muto, bringing everyone else into play, the physicality that he shows, I think he's just all round he's been absolutely magnificent and yeah that was what was missing with Kobe last season he was out injured for large parts of the season they were struggling this season he's been fit for pretty much all of it and he's been yeah huge for how they've been able to go on and win the league so I think there can't be many arguments I don't think against uh, both of these coming in and uh, yeah would you rubber stamp them Johnny? Yeah, I think I think Junker and Hosoya would make a couple of fine substitutes coming off the bench, but unfortunately for them, for the, the quality of, of Osaka and, and Lopez, the, 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 there's no place for them the, the starting eleven. I think just yeah, you've really summed up Lopez and Osaka really well, Sam. So I, I don't have too much to add. The only thing I would add is like from yesterday, like you say about Osaka's movement and everything, the way he talks his teammates through the game is really impressive too, because you usually associate that more with with players like a centre-back or a central midfielder like talking to others through the game, but he's coming short, he's talking to, to the wingers, he's talking to the central midfielders, even at times he's talking to his defenders, telling them where he wants the ball, where he wants them to be. Uh, he is really, in J1 terms, he's the, he's the complete striker, and I think, as I said last week or a few years back, you know, no, sorry, a few weeks back, um, you know, if, if you're a young J- Japanese forward coming up through the ranks, you yeah, Osako is the kind of player you want to you want to look at. That's who you want to base your game on if you want to make it in in, in the professional game. So yeah, a, a very good top five. And you know, there's even players that didn't get in here that had good good seasons. But I think yeah, this is one of the easier choices. I'm rubber stamping Osako and, and Lopez. But Ben, is that three out of three? Yes, most definitely, Johnny. And uh, you know, I mean, I think we saved the uh, the patrons a really uh, difficult choice, didn't we? Uh, in the team of the half season. Osako was the choice when we uh, yeah we went four three three just the the one uh, striker up 
up top but uh yeah as we've uh, as we've all said um yeah simply couldn't ignore this uh this pair and their uh, 22 goals apiece uh yeah worthy selections in our G Talk team of the season which reads from back to front Park Ilgu of Tosu in goal across the back for Seiya Maikuma of Cerezo Osaka Alex Schultz of Urawa Haria Fuji of Nagoya and Gotoku Sakai of Kobe in central midfield we have uh, Atsuki Ito of Urawa and Yasuto Wakizaka of Kawasaki uh, wide Yoshinori Muto of Kobe and Elber of F Marinos and uh, up front uh, their teammates Yuya Osako of uh, the champions and Anderson Lopez of uh, F Marino. So uh, thanks to all of our patrons for voting in our polls over the, uh, yeah, the last few days, always much appreciated. We didn't have a manager of the season poll, Johnny, but uh, well, yeah, for me, I mean, there's, uh, I don't think there's anybody else that can be other than Takuyuki Yoshida of Kobe having uh, finally uh, delivered the, uh, the the first ever top flight title in in Vissel's uh, history, but if there was to be a, pa- a patron uh, a Patreon shortlist for our patrons to vote on, um, who might have been a couple of the the nominees you might have put forward for for that apart from Mr. Yoshida? Well, yeah, again, aside from Yoshida, I think there's two two obvious candidates for for me anyway, and the first one from from Niigata, Rikizo Matsuhashi. You know, as, as Sam pointed out earlier, they've had a fantastic season. I mean, they weren't that much better than Yokohama FC last year, and they didn't make a ton of signings over, over the winter, and then to lose their, their star player in the in the summer and, and still finish as strong as they have with him sort of rotating and, and as, I think, yeah, as Sam said, play, playing some very brave football. And what he was at Marinos for, for a long time in the, the coaching staff, but this is only his second year as a, as a head coach. So so to win the J2 title in your first year and then yeah, finish 10th place in J, J1 in your, your second year is, is fantastic from him. So my hat is, is doffed to him. And the other one, I think, you know, I'm sure people listening at home can, can guess, would be Shigitoshi Hasebe. I mean, you know, Fukuoka just couldn't have achieved the success they have with, without him. And, you know, best ever finish in the club's history, winning the first ever piece of silverware, the little Van Cup. And, you know, so many players, like, he's kind of revived, like, like Idiguchi, he's gotten fit and, and firing. And, you know, even I mentioned earlier, like, Nagoya were interested in a lot of Fukuoka players, and one of them was, was Yamagishi. And you, you kind of wonder if he's the kind of player, like, if he went to another club, would he be as good away from Hasebe? I think Hasebe is that that good a coach. So, I think, yeah, those two I wanted to mention, but... But like you, Ben, I think my kind of default in these things is there has to be some strong reason to not give it to the coach of the winning team. And I think, yeah, Yoshi does cut cut the, you know, forgive my French, the, the BS at, at Viso Kobe. And he, he's got them winning. He, he stopped the, the passing around, faffing around at the back and stuff they didn't need. So I would definitely go with Yoshida. But with, with um, yeah, Hasebe and Matsuhashi completing the, the, the podium. How about yourself, Sam? Yeah, I definitely agree with you two shouts there. I think Hasabe especially. I mean, I had them finishing last, I think, unfortunately, in my day <laughs> print. I think you might have been the same then. So for them to have uh, got up to their best ever finish to win a, a, a Levan Cup, I think they've been absolutely magnificent. And they are still very good defensively, but they've moved on a little bit from that as well. They're not just sitting back. They can play football. I think they've been very, very positive this season. So, yeah, full credit to them. I think, yeah, it's difficult to argue against Yoshida given where they were last season. He's managed to kind of galvanise them. You can say, yeah, they've got all the 
funds in the world. They've well, not all the funds, but they're plenty well backed. They've got very good players, so they should be in this sort of position. But it still takes a good manager to really hone that down to really get the best out of them to make the tough decisions. So he's done uh, really well there. The only other one I'd mention would be Chokwe J. Considering Kyoto finished 11 points from uh, bottom, they should have been right down there. Looking at the start of the season, the squad looked not great, really, but he's got the absolute best out of them, which is what he does. And to consider Patrick, who's barely played, has still managed to get 10 goals. Uh, I think Harris come in with very, very good side. I think he's got seven. Toyokawa's got 10. So to be able to get that out of that squad, I think he's very, very good. And there's no way they should have been as comfortable as they have been. So I'd like to give him mentioned as well, but I think, yeah, the other ones that you mentioned, absolutely correct, but yeah, I'm happy to rubber stamp Yoshida as our manager of the year, but Hasabe is a very, very close second. Yep, yep, well said, guys. Okay, so yeah, uh, yeah, huge congratulations to Takeyuki Yoshida, and uh, yeah, well done to, uh, yeah, the uh, the Niigata and Fukuoka coaches with, uh, yes, the mentioned for uh, Cho at Kyoto as well. Uh, well deserved. All right, then, so that's it for our team of the season. Uh, let's move on and uh, preview Saturday's Emperor's Cup final. It's a Kawasaki versus Kashiwa at the National Stadium. Of course, the form book goes out the window in a one-off game, etc., etc. But coming into this one, uh, well, the omens are not great for Kashiwa. They have not won in the past 12 league meetings between these two clubs. Uh, Race will have to go all the way back to 2017 for their last victory over Kawasaki in a competitive match. That was in the Emperor's Cup quarter final when uh, Race won 1-0 thanks to a goal from uh, Cristiano. But um, yeah, I mean, the omens aren't great. The, the way they finish the season is obviously um, it doesn't bode well. Uh, Johnny, and we've talked about how good the Kawasaki were, and Sam mentioned they haven't lost since September. So, I mean, all signs point to Kawasaki um, winning the Empress Cup for the second time in their history. Uh, Raisel trying to do the same, and, um, well, Johnny, you probably don't like me bringing this up, but uh, both times that these clubs have won the Empress Cup, it's uh, come at the expense of Gumbur Osaka in the final. Um, but, uh, yeah, which way do you uh, do you lean on Saturday? Do you think Raisel can upset the apple cart here, or will uh, Kawasaki's recent good form continue? Well, the, the thing is, it I mean, it's not the J League, but it is is Japanese top top flight football. So you know, anything can happen. You know, like you've laid out there, it, it's very easy to put a lot of the the, the eggs in, in Kawasaki's basket. They've got they've got the form in, in this fixture, and also in general, Kashiro have come off. It must be a draining season, but battling battling relegation valiantly all year, and finally succeeding. But you know, the final four games conceding. Conceding late goals, even when they get 11 versus 10, they managed to concede goals. Getting to injury time ahead, they managed to concede goals. So, I mean, the, the obvious prediction would to say would be to say that that Kashiwa, a moment of brilliance from Savio or Hosoya, puts them one nil up, and then they concede a 90th minute equaliser, and then they lose it in extra time. That that would be the obvious thing to say. But Japanese football is a is a strange beast. So, as you, it's a one-off game. And you know, Kashiwa have have match winners in in Savio and in Hosoya, and I believe Takamine is back for this game because he's been suspended for the last two games. So Diego is is out. So how how they reject the defence, uh, I'm not quite sure. They might have Mitsumaru and Katayama down the flanks, which isn't isn't amazing, but they do have strength in in the centre. And with Takamine coming back in, that 
that that would help. Uh, one thing maybe maybe to note is uh, I know um, it was noticed in the the, the Verdi versus Shimizu the the playoff game. The pitch at Kokuritsu didn't look very good. There's been quite a few games played in it recently, so mm. hopefully it's not it's not in terrible condition and we, we get a good a good spectacle. But it is very nice. I think cause last year the the Kofu Hiroshima game was played in the same match day as some J2 games, so it, at least it does have have pride of place. Like you know J1, J2, J3 is all all done, so it's. It's just the Emperor's Cup final on Saturday, and we can all focus on on the Olympic Stadium. So I'm not I'm not going to jinx anyone. I'm not going to make a prediction, but I, I I will. My only prediction will be that both sides will score at least one goal. I think I think there'll be goals on Saturday. Well, what about you, Sam? Yeah, I agree with you. I think it'll be an open game. I don't think Racer are good enough to sit back against any team and just try and hold it out. I think their best weapons are going forward, so I think they need to come out and attack. Yeah, I can absolutely see them taking the lead and then losing it on, losing it later on. That seems to be the way that their season is going last few weeks. But they've certainly got the weapons to hurt Kawasaki. Kawasaki have shown throughout the season that they are susceptible. You can be got at. There's Jung's not at his best. I think the defence is still, yeah, there are weak areas in it. So, so yeah, Ray Salt, they've got nothing to lose. They might as well throw things at it and uh, they've certainly got the quality to beat them. I think it's, everything does seem to point though towards Kawasaki winning. They're in very good form. They don't have, to, like, ordinarily, like, in another world, they might have had a, a very tough game against All Sun in the Champions League to, kind of look ahead to as well that might have meant something but the way that they've got through their group they're already through they've already topped that group so they don't need to worry about that so everything is set up for Kawasaki to win it but yeah if that pitch is a little bit dodgy if Kawasaki can't play their football if uh, I think yeah it's yeah I don't want to do again like you know, I don't want to give predictions but I'm, I'm struggling not to see Frontale win but yeah you never know this is the J-League this kind of thing can happen and uh, I think it should be a really interesting open game I expect plenty of goals which does kind of guarantee nil-nil now but yeah I think it'd be a good spectacle yeah, I reckon the smart money's on the extra time, the, the way Racehall have, uh, have gone in in the last four weeks and, well, just in general terms, the way they've finished off the season. The, 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 the recent pattern is they score first and they get pegged back. Uh, if uh, if Kawasaki turn up and uh, properly express themselves, then, yeah, they might be over the hill and far away uh, by half time, for all I know. But, um, yeah, Racehall, as as the guys have said, certainly do have the quality to, to hurt uh, Frontale on the other end, and um, yeah, if if Savio, Hosoya, uh, et al. have got their shooting boots on, then uh, yeah, I'd be looking for uh, yeah a a high scoring game, and um, yeah, you never know if you if you rock up uh, to Kokoritsu on Saturday, or if you're watching uh, if you're watching the game live, then yeah, you might get some uh, you might get 30 minutes uh, bonus football uh, for your uh, for your entertainment. I think I, uh, my money is on it going to extra time, and then obviously whatever happens from there, who on earth knows? But um, yeah, should be a great occasion, and obviously the fans of the two teams will uh, certainly enjoy their day out at the National Stadium. And as we said, one of them will win the Emperor's Cup for the second time in their history good luck to both teams all right so yes 2024 in j1 then we've mentioned that there'll be three relegation spots again the uh, the league is headed to uh, to 20 teams and indeed for the first time in the history of the j league uh, next year all three divisions will uh, will feature 20 clubs so we have machida iwata and tokyo verde coming up 
from uh, from J2 with, of course, Yokohama FC relegated back down to the second tier. Listen out for a new episode of J Talk Extra Time coming later on in the week, where I'm sure John and James will be discussing the uh, the playoff final at length. And uh, Mike, of course, will round up the uh, the final day of the J3 season. Before we go, Sam, do you want to uh, pat yourself on the back about a, another strong J-League fantasy season, a, a podium finish for you, ending up in third? I made a late run down the outside and ended up 29th, which I was uh, quite happy with at the end of the day. Um, but, uh, yeah, you've, you've done extremely well. Once again, seen off some fierce challenges from the likes of uh, Alex Bishop, uh, Scott McIntyre and Sean Carroll and um, yes a, another uh, another podium finish for you yeah I'm not sure if it'd be any consolation for those guys or if I say I haven't touched my team in about three months but I obviously set it right a few months ago and it's guided me home but yeah I'm still very happy with the podium finish and but yeah I can't say it's through any sort of skill on my part unfortunately but yeah I'm still very happy to see my name up in lights Fair enough, and well done too. So, uh, sorry, Johnny, I should have mentioned just uh, one more piece of business, of course, that uh, Urawa is in uh, ACL action this week, and that's because uh, they'll be uh, obviously heading off to the Club World Cup soon. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, very much do or die for uh, Urawa on on Tuesday night, isn't it? Yeah, hopefully from from a Japanese perspective, that they can can win and win well. It's the the easiest easiest game of the – well, not the easiest game of the – that was at home when the, the one comes to against Hanoi, but you know it's, it's, it's the weakest team in the, the group, so that they'll be going out all guns blazing, and then then hopefully go into the the World Club Championship with a, a bit of form. It's, it's, I believe Scores is going to be be in charge for that, and and Kante be his final game is for for Reds, so maybe a bit warmer over in Vietnam, so that the players can can enjoy it and express themselves. So so yeah, we'll be watching that, and then I think it's it's after the Emperor's Cup finals, as Sam said, that the other three teams play. But yeah, with, with Kawasaki not not having much to play for, and, and Marinos and Kofu both both have quite a lot on the line. Most definitely. All right, so uh, yeah, we'll uh, obviously be back to chat about the uh, the Empress Cup final in uh, next week's episode. And, um, yeah, looking forward to that uh, on Saturday. All right, so we'll uh, leave it there. Sam, it was, um, well, it was just like old times, wasn't it, with the yeah the three of us uh, back together and uh, running through a, a team of the season. Um, yeah, absolutely tremendous to catch up with you and uh, great to hear that everything's going well and that, uh, yeah, Pickles uh, in a fine voice in the background there at times. So, uh, yeah, thanks for joining us. Again, it feels strange to, to say that. Uh, to you after so <laughs> so many years we spent together, but uh, yeah, great to, great to catch up with you and um, yeah, uh, well, it goes without saying, hope to do so again and many times again down the road. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much for having me back. It's great to be back on back into the swing of things. And Pickle is delighted that she got a platform to voice her opinions on certain players and whatnot. So yeah, she's been very happy. But yeah, great to be back. And I'm, yeah, I really enjoyed listening to, as I said, to both of you for over the last few weeks. I've been doing a cracking job and hopefully I can join you a few more times um, into next season. Tremendous. All right. Well, uh, Johnny, thanks for all that again this week. A uh, Another bumper episode wrap, wrapping up the season and indeed uh, the, the team of the season. And uh, well, yeah, wouldn't you know it? We even agreed on a couple of things. So uh, that's uh, that's definitely progress, isn't it? So, uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll I'm sure we'll enjoy the uh, the Empress Cup final on Saturday and uh, look forward to rounding it up with you on next week's episode. Yeah, th- thanks very much, Ben. And uh, it was, of course, it was great, great talking to, to Sam again after after a while. And uh, anyone playing playing Robson Bingo at home, they got the mentions of Tatsuta and Iwamasa. No, no Nagasawa. So I don't know if anyone won, but yeah, it was, it was great to talk to you guys again. And I always enjoy going through this 
this team of the season. So, yes, it's been a, been a long, hard season. We've got what, one more week to go. But, yeah, I'm looking forward to talking about the Emperor's Cup ne- next week. Tremendous stuff. All right, then, that's it for this week's episode of the J Talk podcast. Johnny and I would like to thank Sam very much throughout this episode. Uh, we'd like to thank our patrons for their ongoing support on Patreon and, of course, for casting all of the votes they did in our team of the season polls. Uh, listeners, we'd like to thank you for listening wherever you are. We'll be back next week to review the Emperor's Cup final. Speak to you then. Bye for now. The J Talk Podcast. Yes, 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 yes.